You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 192 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with, well I'm here, still stuck in the closet with <laughs> Gina Militia because we realised that because of her upcoming trip to India, uh, where she might have quite patchy internet, um, it would be quite difficult to record a podcast. So we've decided to record two in this cupboard that we're currently sitting in in a co-working space in Melbourne where we've managed to catch up in person so that we can record these podcasts for you. Um, so yeah, it's a, how are you? You still hot, Gina? It's hot. It's like it's a sauna as well. So I think these are designed for one person. A duh. A duh. Imagine being here during the heat wave. So, but anyway, yeah, good. Uh, great. Since I last saw you five minutes ago, Val. <laughs> it's been good. We're getting on well. It's all yes. going really well. Well, we have to get along well. It's a very, it's very close yeah, quarters. It's like being on a plane together. It's what it reminds it's smaller me of. than being yeah. on a plane together. So this is episode one hundred and ninety-two. And we're going to be talking about documentary style wedding photography with special guest Ian Weldon. I'm really excited about yes. this because I love documentary style. Oh, no. I've never really seen a lot of it with wedding photography, but I think that that would be a really cool kind of edge to bring to wedding photography. I've seen it, of course, a lot in, you know, journalism. Um, I've seen it a lot there. Um, but it's not something that you see so common with wedding photography because usually with wedding um, photos, people want – you know, it's it's so traditional with the post shots and the bridesmaids and the groomsmen all walking in a row and stuff like that. But anyway, we will get to that with special guest Ian. But we want to give a big shout out to Laid Back Penguin. That's their name, Laid Back Penguin from Australia. Of course, you have to be from <laughs> Australia to be laid back and be a penguin and to give the title to the review that you've left on iTunes, legendary. That's so Australian, <laughs> isn't it? I love it. <clears throat> so laid back penguin has said, if photography is your passion, then stop right now and subscribe to this podcast. It's fantastic. Gina is a legend who generally shares her tips, tricks and experience as a pro photographer. Valerie is great as well. She keeps the flow of the podcast moving along and provides insight into being a creative cat with clever tips around running a business and social media. The guests are world-class and provide nuggets of gold every time. Don't worry about the introductions. <laughs> they do banter on about non-photography <laughs> topics at first, but I honestly quite enjoy the beginnings now. <laughs> like how we're stuck in a oh, cupboard. Stuck in a cupboard. <laughs> and what we watch on Netflix. Yeah. So anyway, Blake Penguin continues. 
It's like sitting around having a coffee with like-minded friends who love what they do. You keep me motivated with pursuing my dream of becoming a full-time photographer. Keep it up, ladies. You are legendary. And then he signs off with his real name. So Laidback Penguin's real name is Bill Thompson. And if you want to check out his Instagram, he is at William Thompson without the P. Well, that's William and then T-O-H-O-M-S-E-N underscore photography. So big shout out to Laidback Penguin. And we like the fact that it's like having a coffee with two friends. That's why we do kind of catch up. This is how we catch up. I'm going to follow William now on Instagram. Maybe you could do that later, Gina, so that it doesn't really interrupt the fact that we're recording a podcast. Perhaps you can put that down. You sound like my mother. This is like, I don't like being in a confined space with you. <laughs> you really just sounded like my mother. <laughs> really? Well, anyway, we're, we're both going to check you out on Instagram, Bill. Thank you so much for leaving that um, that that review. Really appreciate it. And if any other listeners have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, please do. We'd really be grateful because it certainly helps us in the rankings. Yeah. So we know that you are going to India soon, Gina, but no doubt. You know, like before I go on a trip, certainly an overseas trip, not so much coming to Melbourne, that's just like catching the bus for me now. But like um, before I go on an overseas trip, it's it's like the last day or last just in the lead up is so frantic Mm. that I don't know whether I'm coming and going. Are Mm. you in that stage? Yeah. I'm actually like uh, there have been times when I've been driving to the airport and I kid you not, and what I've got is this technique with the undies is they're washed, (laughs) but they're still wet. So there's either you can dry them with the hairdryer, but if you don't dry them to the bone dry, then by the time you get to the other side, they've got that musty smell, which is not great. So what I do is... You know, with the car window, you just let it go down uh, like a crack and then mm. you push the undies through so that they're hanging on the outside and then you push the car so window up. So you're driving around with your undies flying And then the drive to the, the airport, they just sort of flap in the air and it's that sort of flapping in the air that makes them dry really quickly. So if you see anyone driving to Melbourne Airport with undies hanging out. That's no, me. The, yeah, it's Gina. Yeah. I have a different way, way to get over that. What's that? You so I used them. to have this problem. Yeah. I used to have this problem. I just buy so many. Yeah. That it's it doesn't matter how many pairs yeah, I have, I will run run out. I just that's what I do. I like to drive my car till it's empty <laughs> and use up all the undies till they run out. So you can buy new ones. It's not, not nice, not nice souvenir, but you don't always get it right. It's it's tricky overseas. But you know what? I think because it's the the thing that I used we to do. We will talk about photography. We will talk at about some photography. point. I'm sorry, but the thing that I always used to do was I never even got to that stage. I used to just forget my undies altogether. Yeah, and so I would get to the other end. I would get off the plane and go, yeah. oh my god and that is why i figured out certainly in every australian airport in every capital city um well the ones i go to anyway sydney melbourne brisbane certainly every airport has a victoria's secret the minute yeah. you get off the plane yeah because that people who've remembered oh my goodness i've yeah. forgotten my undies yeah and you pay what 50 bucks a pair 100? no they're cheap because yeah. they're not i don't like them they're it's not just a little bit of lace Really? Yeah. So, anyway, anyway, we will move on. Yeah. So apart from your undies, 
what else is happening. So, actually, today we recorded the mastermind session with the gold members. Oh, yes. So before we came here, that was uh, the last thing I did, and that was so very cool. Big so. hello to all of the um, members of the gold community, and for those of you who were on the mastermind session, this is the live call, the live Ask Me Anything call that's on every month with Gina and of course if you can't make it um, the session is recorded and you can also pre-submit your questions and you can also take advantage of all of the new tutorials that Gina is releasing every month. If you're interested in finding out more about the Gold Community, go to ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. But this month, Mm. not this month, this episode, tell us, who are we talking to Gina? Right, so uh, I was very lucky enough to have the opportunity to chat with photographer Ian Weldon. Now, for those of you who don't know who he is, actually, before you start listening, I really recommend that you uh, look him up and have a look at his work. So let's just give a little website out for that. So he is at Bell. Ian Weldon, that's I-A-N for Ian, and then Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N.com, ianweldon.com. And whenever I'm listening to podcasts and if it's an interview, I always want to see the work if I'm not familiar with it of the person and then it puts everything that they're saying into context. So um, Ian shoots weddings for people who don't want wedding photography. Mm. So he... Uh, if you have a look at his portfolio, you, you're not going to see, like you described earlier, Val, pretty pictures of brides and grooms. You're not going to see that holding hand cliche shot mm. of brides, you know, running, bride and groom running through like a backlit meadow of daisies. Right? <laughs> so he, his photos are shot in a documentary style and uh, they're honest and gritty and raw and exciting. So his heroes include documentary photographers like Elliot Erwitt and William Eggleston, Martin Parr, Bruce Gilden. So if you don't, and there's uh, several others as well, if you don't know who those photographers are, and I'll put links to all these guys in the show notes, I highly recommend if documentary style is something that resonates with you, that you check out their work. And um, I think Ian does a really good job at describing why you should look back at the originals who started this sort of genre of photography and learn from them rather than uh, sort of more modern-day photographers. So um, it's interesting that uh, one of uh, Ian's heroes, uh, Eggleston, like the first review that uh, William Eggleston had of his uh, work from the New York Times where they said that Eggleston's photographs strongly resemble the colour slides made by the man next door and his show at the Modern was the most hated show of the year. That's lovely. Yes, that's in 1976. Now Eggleston is considered by some as the godfather of colour photography. So there'll be some of you who will who are used to seeing a certain style of wedding photography mm. may look at the work of Ian Weldon and say, I don't get it, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is all about like learning to be a discerning photographer and uh, it's something that like in photography, the more you learn about it, the more you know and the more your style will evolve and uh, this, the sort of stuff that you 
uh, see in an image will change. So what I'm trying to do with all these podcasts is introduce you to uh, as many different styles as possible. And mm. like you'll know, you'll know when you see the images that resonate with you, you'll, you'll go, that's, that, that, that one speaks to me. So yeah. hopefully for some of you out there, this particular style will speak. So as I said, like Ian's, Ian's images are honest and raw and exciting and uh, he captures that, that split second in time, that nanosecond, that decisive moment. And so when he decides to click the shutter, it's uh, like the, his unique and refreshing uh, take. Now, his work, Valerie, has mm-hmm. been highly praised and recognised worldwide and um, he's also been named one of the top ten photographers, wedding photographers in the world. That's no mean feat. Wow, oh, I know. fantastic. Now, this interview is not so much about the how, although he does, we do talk about some gear talk, but for me, more importantly, is the why. Why is he standing there? Why is he shooting from this angle? Why does he do that? And why has he turned his back on that more conventional style of photography? But here's the really interesting thing. In doing that, in turning his back on what is considered, this is how you do traditional photography, that's a very saturated market. He put out the kind of work that he wants to shoot. He only shoots the kind of work that he wants to shoot and he's very successful doing it. He now flies all over the world shooting purely documentary style wedding. So shall wow. we have a listen to the interview? Absolutely. G'day Ian, welcome to the show. How are you going? Yeah, I'm, I'm well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Now, before we get started, where in the world are you? I am in Newcastle in northern England. Excellent. And how, like, what, are you coming into spring there? What's it like? Well, it's supposed to be spring, but we've just had a weekend of uh, ice and snow. Um, so, yeah, it's northern England. You can never tell. Right. <laughs> Um, all right, so your photography, uh, I really love it. And uh, I just like, for the sake of it, I mean, I can describe what I think your style is, but I'd rather hear it from you. So in your own words, how would you describe your photographic style and what it is that you do with that? Okay, I, I, my photographic style, I would say it was street photography for weddings. And um, what I do is I photograph weddings for people who don't want wedding photography. And it's a, it's a spontaneous thing. It's not contrived or set up. And uh, I suppose that what I do as far as the artwork is concerned is just rely on my study and practice to, um, I suppose, get me through the day, if that makes sense. So would you say that your like your style is a, a documentary style? You're documenting weddings rather than doing a, like hands-on setting up? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think when I, f- I first started shooting weddings as a way to make um, some extra money to work on my own projects, uh, it turns out that weddings became my project. And, yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely a documentary project and that style of, of that approach is just the way that I feel comfortable doing it. Right. So 
like the the, the word <laughs> documentary style, <laughs> it's very groovy yeah. at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> I'm it seeing is, it a lot. Uh, I think that what we I, I see it often as far as. Uh, with portfolios and a photographer will say, I will document your day. I'm a documentary wedding photographer. It's natural. And then the whole, uh, their portfolios are front loaded with um, set up pose shots. And it's, uh, I think it's just a bit of a buzzword and it doesn't, I, I don't think people really understand what documentary or photojournalism is or the difference between the two. And it's, I don't know, it's, it, it's just a buzzword. It's, it's a marketing thing. So, so what's the difference between candid and documentary yeah. style? Um, oh, I suppose I don't. I wouldn't really know how to explain that. To be fair, um, mm. if we look at, I, I suppose a candid approach is somewhat documentary style. Um, but I think, for as as far as documentary is concerned, from from my perspective, I am. I'm not interested in the singular wedding and um, the actual wedding itself. It's more a, an approach to weddings in my time and uh, over different, I don't know, uh, I suppose looking at you know, different classes, different social classes, but all photographing all that in the same way to build an idea of what weddings are in our time. Right. So just going back a little bit, um how did you get into photography in the first place? Was it this lifelong Uh, dream as a boy? I ask everyone the same question. Did you dream? (laughs) Even women I ask, did you dream as a boy to become a wedding photographer or a photographer? No, no, not at all. I think um, I did, like, from when I left school, I was in the army and then I had a multitude of jobs and I was uh, a lorry driver and a milkman, window cleaner and nothing really kind of I never really stuck with anything uh, and it wasn't until I was about 29 years old 30 years old that I realized that I don't know I was somewhat unfulfilled and I didn't know what to do and I'd always been interested in photography and uh, for years I'd had a camera and thought that I would go to college and uh, have a go at it and try and understand what it was and see if I could have a go at it and it kind of it sprung from there but the first five years or so, I was just, I don't know, running around like a headless chicken somewhat and, again, not really seeming fulfilled until I had to make a decision on what I wanted to do with my life. And when I decided to actually make an effort with photography, it was at that point I realized that I didn't really know anything. And that's when my interest in the history of photography came about and understanding photographers and understanding their philosophy and understanding their kind of their why, I suppose, um, really sparked my interest and changed me as a person. And it just it just went from there, really. It just snowballed from there. So when you say you went to college, did you have a formal photography training? Well, it was a two-year uh, photography course that I was probably only there for, I don't know, a year of that mm. in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just messed about and I, I didn't really learn anything when I went to college um, I think that a few years after I realized that what college had done was teach me how to uh, learn again right. so once I started um, becoming more interested I, I, I'd already regained those tools um, 
that I'd lost between leaving school and going back to college and just, and how to learn and how to structure that learning and to be able to um, get what I wanted from it. So when you say you were sort of uh, flailing around there, what, what were you? did you go straight into paid gigs and how did that look? Yeah. I mean, was it like commercial photography or did you go straight into uh, a more documentary style of photography right out the, at the outset? Um, right out the gate, I was a portrait and fine art photographer. Really? And who, who were your clients? <laughs> who were you shooting for? Um, I was uh, I was shooting uh, white background uh, portraits in a studio. Yeah. Um, pretty much straight away, there was a, a popular studio at the time in the UK. I don't know whether they were worldwide called Venture, and it was this really high contrast white background, blown out highlight kind of thing. And for me at that time, photography was just a means really to make money and the idea of being a photographer was more important than actually being a photographer. So it's about the image. What decade are we talking? The 90s? Um, This is only 15 years ago. Oh, right. Okay. So hang on. Were you, did you go straight into digital or did you start at, was this is sort of just at the, uh, the cusp there when we're switching over. Did, Um, Did you start with film or did you go straight into digital? I had some time with film. I mean, I'd shot film um, as a hobbyist for some time. Um, I worked a little bit with film until digital became, it was about that time that it was just starting to get good enough um, to be um, used commercially, I think. Uh, But at that point, I didn't really know what I was doing. And as I say, the idea of being a photographer was more important and um, because I didn't know what I was doing on really technically, uh, a lot of the stuff that I was taking, I would label it fine art and call myself a fine art photographer. Oh, okay. Which is a funny thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're shooting uh, stuff on white. Would you convert it to black and white and then it's art? Is that is that how you did it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was pretty much my understanding. You know? It was like and fine art and then take a picture of a landscape and for it to be so awful that you would add some sort of filter to it and go, it's art. Put it on the canvas. A bit of a vignette and a bit of a texture and uh, and then it's art. Yeah. But that's with coming from uh, a a perspective that I had absolutely no idea what being an artist was at that time. I had no idea what being a photographer was at that time. So... All right, so you're making a living at this point doing these um, fine art portraits? Yeah, just about, just about. And so how did that evolve to shooting weddings? Um, I suppose I did that for maybe three years and I just became – I'm bored with it. Uh, there was no, I had no idea what I was doing. There was no vision. There was no direction. Um, and after about three years, uh, the studio that I, I was part of, uh, my business partner was also my partner at the time, and that relationship broke down. Yeah. Um, so, um, so the studio, uh, I, I ended that and had some time to really had some time off and really thought about what it is that I wanted to do, and I was. Uh, playing the guitar at the time and I was singing I was in a couple of bands and I had to choose one and I chose photography and as I say it was it was round about that point that I started to become more interested in photographers and photography and what it 
meant to be an artist and the why behind what I was doing. And the more I started questioning what it is that I was doing and why I was doing it, the more that spurred me on to be better and to do more. And as I say, I had about a year off and thought about that and thought that I wanted to start some of my own photography projects uh, in the light of um, photographers like Martin Parr or Elliot Erwitt or Gary Winogrand and these so, are the photographers that I'm starting to become interested in. So these are your heroes, right? Indeed, indeed. Um, and it's these photographers that when I first started photography, I didn't understand those photographers because that wasn't what I was told photography was. It so when you were when start. you were learning, sorry, when you were learning photography as part of your training, what who were yeah. the photographers that were being held up to 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 for you to to look up to by your teachers? Um, I can't, yeah, I can't really remember. I'm pretty sure that most of the masters were would have been mentioned. Yeah, but um, I think that the industry itself was telling me something different. Right. As far as uh, websites were concerned, online magazines, photography magazines, because um, I, I, I suppose it's that's your first point of contact. Yeah. If you're interested in photography, it's have a look on the internet, have a look at YouTube, see what they're saying, see, have a look at the like pro photographer magazine, and in those magazines, you're just being shown these um, these spectacular landscapes or these really well lit portraits and all of the information that's given about, well, you need to use this light or this lens and it needs to be this sharp and you need these many megapixels. And I kind of got lost in that for about three or four years Yeah, and thinking that the gear was, that that was photography or that was art and that's how you should approach it until I started to understand the why of uh, photographers that have, be- that have become kind of mentors to me. And at the start, they, they didn't fit into that uh, professional kind of bracket. So, I mean, tasting art, um, the the best way that I kind of describe it is it, it's something, uh, it's it's like an acquired taste like with uh, wine, I guess, when I first was introduced to wine, all wine was the same. And, yeah. I mean, my palate isn't that sophisticated now, but I think I can tell the difference between, you know, a really bad wine to, to, to a better yeah. wine. And I think, like, the more... And again, I'm very similar to you. There was photographers that were uh, shown to me at at, at uni that I I just didn't understand their work then and and didn't get it. And now I I do. It's kind of like the more you know about photography, the more you learn about yourself, I think, the more you start to understand these styles. So, all right, so you're doing this photography. It's not making you happy, this sort of style. And then you start studying the work of some of these masters and just uh, who who are your influences? Who who are they again? So there's was, do- um, definitely Martin Parr. Yep. Um, William Eggleston. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, Elliot Erwitt. Yep. Gary Winogrand. Um, Bruce Gilden. And the list really goes on and on and on. And as um, Sarah Moon, you know, uh, Helen Levitt. And the thing is about these photographers, each and every one of them is their individual self. Right. And they're, they're, they're not trying to be somebody else. They're not trying to be something else. And reading interviews and seeing documentaries on these photographers, it it gives you confirmation that you can just be yourself and you can go on and do your own thing. Right. And that was a huge change. It's, I mean, it sounds simple stuff, but 
when you're in a stage where you don't know what you don't know, then these this kind of stuff's a revelation to you, and especially yeah. as an artist. And and the more you learn about that, and the more you understand the why, and the more you ask questions, the more you understand about yourself, and the more you understand about yourself, the more confidence that gives you to do what you want to do. And as far as my style is concerned, that's where that's born from. It's born from an understanding of or understanding photography to in turn understand myself to be I don't know to better inform the photographs that I'm making okay so coming back to your style evolving now so you, you you're going from shooting these um sort of high-end portraits on white backgrounds right how, yeah how very poorly you... I might add very poorly I might add <laughs> How did you go to then uh, shoot your first wedding? And what did your first wedding look like in terms of style? What was going through your head? And what did you uh, supply to the client, that first one? Right, okay. I, as, as I mentioned, I started shooting weddings, or I thought that, okay, I'll, I'll shoot some weddings and I'll be able to make some money to work on my own documentary projects. I'll be able right. to do. So it was, uh, it was purely uh, for money at this, at this point. Yes, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. And I think that I, I suppose that most of what I did up until that point was purely for money. Right. Um, so the first wedding that I shot, uh, I had no real idea what I was doing. Um, I'd looked at uh, what was expected um, from a wedding photographer. I had no idea how to approach it. Um, and you could probably play all of, put all those images together and play that wedding back like a stop motion movie. I shot maybe, I don't know, three, 4,000, 5,000 photographs on that day, right. just frantically running around trying not to miss anything. Yeah. Um, and ordering i don't know the the whole ordering people around and getting people into groups and having the like i don't know get get the the group shots and the portraits and like it was just exhausting man and i thought i don't this is not really me but if it's going to make me some money to carry on and do what i want to do then this is how it has to be done and then i maybe shot two more weddings until I started thinking, well, okay, I'll shoot that stuff that I think that needs to be done traditionally, but I'll also spend a bit of time trying to make some photographs that I would like to look at, trying to make some photographs that um, I would find interesting. And within two or three weddings, these photographs started to present themselves afterwards when I was going through the process. I was like, I like that, I like that, I like that. And it didn't take long for a light bulb to come on and like, well, why don't I just shoot weddings like that? Why do I have to do it the way that everybody else does it? And drawing from my inspiration of all the photographers that really spurred me on and um, from the history of photography, it's like these guys stand out because they weren't doing it the way that it was expected to be done. Um, all right. So within that wedding, within the even that first wedding, you shot for yourself or was this the, the, is this something that evolved over the next couple of weddings that you started to see another way of doing things just to entertain yourself, I guess? Yes, absolutely. That's, that's pretty much um, how it came about. I, I don't think the first wedding uh, there was anything in there that I could pull from that um, I would see as a progression to what I do now. I would say maybe within two or three. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely, that's what it was. I was kind of try, trying to entertain myself a little more. Okay, so 
At, so say we're three weddings in and you've discovered that you really love this style and it, it, it's like it feels more like home, I guess, for you to shoot in yeah. this way. How yeah. then, how soon was it before you got your first client that just said, I want that? Oh, I just go back a while. It would, do you know what? Maybe... <sighs> 10, 15 weddings. But what I was doing as far as my portfolio was concerned, as I was shooting more weddings, I was pretty quickly only showing the kind of stuff that I wanted to photograph and how I thought it should look. Right. So you weren't putting in is, any yeah. of those, the couple, the, the like, so up until then, that say that first 10 weddings, you were still yeah. doing the kissing shot, the here's the rings, here's the couple, <laughs> the shot yeah. that goes on the top of the telly. You were doing all, covering yeah. off all of those ones that you have to tick off the list and, yes. and, and shooting for folio at the same time. And then, but only yeah. the website only showed the stuff that you wanted to show, which is, yeah. A lot of people would say risky from a business perspective that like because it, it, suddenly you're going to um, alienate a lot of clients who are looking for the photo, the pretty photo that goes on top of the telly. So so ha, ha, how did you deal with that or did, did you not care at that point? You were just like wanting to only photograph the stuff that you loved. I mean, how do you yeah. eat and, I mean, and do I all did. that at the same time? Feed yourself. I didn't. Um... <laughs> yeah, feed yourself. I mean, I didn't, I never thought of what I was doing as a business and I never thought of it as running a business. And if we can look at it in a way that um, if I was only showing the the fancy dress shot and the kiss shot and the ring shot and all that kind of stuff, then I would be alienating people who wanted something more than standard wedding photography. Yeah. And I was, I, from my point of view, it was like, well, if I like this, surely there are other people out there who like this. And as far as a stylist concerned, then I think, although that I had an idea of what I wanted to do then, it's it's incrementally changed over the years with my own learning and understanding. And as we mentioned earlier about, and again, I don't see it as I'm not documentary or photojournalist or this or that. I'm just a photographer who's photographing weddings because I enjoy that social situation. And right. I've never thought, I, yeah, I, I get asked a lot about like the business and like, is that not risky? And like, well, I, I had nothing to lose in the first place, really. Yeah. You know, so, and I was doing it, yeah, I was, I suppose selfishly, I'm still yeah. doing it for myself, you know. And so in doing that, in putting the work that's pure and honest from you in a style that you love, you attracted other other clients, like, who also love this style. And it, yes. um, and, and it yeah. took off. And yes, it did. Uh, it didn't take off right away. Um, within um, the first maybe three to four years of shooting weddings, um, I was still I was teaching. Um, I was I was driving uh, lorries on a weekend, so I didn't have to shoot weddings that I didn't want to. Um, and it, very early on in what I was doing as far as weddings, I, I would say no to people if they wanted fully traditional. Um, two, three hours of group shots and this whole, I don't know, how would you explain it? The editorial shots. Yes. 
and that, that like that kind of process and it's like I'm there are people out there who can do that better than I can and for me to try and fit myself into that I'm not going to be happy doing it you're probably not going to be 100% happy with the results so there are other people better than doing that so I would rather not shoot that wedding and be doing something else and then only shooting the weddings that I want to and you have to do what you have to do as an artist, I think. It's kind of, I have to have three. Even now, if anything happened and I had to have another two or three other jobs just to support what I'm doing um, as far as my photography is concerned and being an artist, then I have no problem in doing that. Fantastic. So even from the at the outset, you, t- you, you would turn stuff down, turn people away because th- this 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 is the only style that you wanted to shoot in. And so just in terms of managing um, clients and finding those discerning uh, clients. Wh- what was? Wh- what did you do aside from only displaying that work? Obviously, you would still get people who perhaps were uh, recommended yeah. by from earlier weddings that you've done, and they said, yes. "No, no, no, we want what you did at Dave's five years ago." Now you're not doing that Dave style anymore. What do you say yeah. to those people? Just flat out, no, I, I don't do that anymore. Um. I would ask them to um, look at my portfolio now, and if that was something that they would be happy to go along with, then we could have a conversation. I mean, it's it's not like I don't do group shots or I don't do um, a couple of bride and groom portraits or I, d- I don't take pictures of maybe some of the details, but it all just comes down to the day. And if the details are like, I find them really cool, then I'll photograph them. Um, but that's not kind of that's not what I show to people because for me, I don't think that's the most important part of the day. Um, so sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> how, how do you manage that with clients? So if they're approaching you oh, and they're right. wanting a certain, like a look that you did three years ago and you're not doing it anymore, it's just a flat out. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If it's like, I want it to look like that did three years ago. And it's like, no man, I've moved on. I don't do that. So just no, like you just say no. All right. So, Okay, so say a client sees what you do, that documentary style, and they come along and that they want to hire you. Uh, how do you manage their expectations? Will you say, okay, I'm calling the shots here, you'll get what you're given, or is it more a collaboration where if they ask you for we need that one shot, a pose shot, and we do want some yeah. details, do you give it to them? Um, I've never had anybody ask me to specifically photograph details. Um, I do tell people at the outset that I understand that people may be traveling from far away. I understand that people might be uh, getting together that haven't been together for a long time or may never be together again. And I'm there all day. Just grab me and get a picture. I'm not going to be like a dick about it and say, no, Fantastic. I'm there all day. You know, it's like... Um, and yeah, I don't mind that, but that isn't the focus of the day. It's very rare that I would get somebody contact me now and not have a good idea of my approach, who I am and what it is that I do. All right. So, and I know you don't like to talk about the business side of it, but it's just, I I just, I'm just intrigued, like the business model, I think, uh, looks a little bit like the, a similar way to how I charge. And that is you hire me and that's. I'm yeah. there until the job is done, basically. Yes, absolutely. Is I that mean, how you work? For me, and it's not about yeah, yeah. it's X amount of files, it's if I, if I print them up, you pay extra. It's like it's 
it's this much for me to turn up yeah. on the day yeah. and I'm going to get what I get, but that's what you're paying yeah. for. It's the yes. I rather than the actual um, product, I guess. It's the creativity, yeah, not the product. Either. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I never, right, even from the first wedding I shot, there was never a case of, it was never like, well, I'll turn up at 10 and I'll leave at 8 or I'll turn up at this time and leave at that time and you're going to get this many photographs. Right at the start, I understood that um, I would be there for as long as I needed to be, really, yep. until it wasn't feeling right anymore. And the amount of photographs that you get totally depends on the day. Depends how busy it is, what's going on. You might there might be a band on, a magician, and just, and there'll be a lot of photo. If there's stuff going on all day, there's going to be more photographs. Um, and and don't see the point either of photographing the same five people on the dance floor for you know, like three hours. Yeah, when it's done, it's you done. And you know that's that. right. Yeah, when it's done, it's done. I'm gone. See you later. Thank you. I'll see you in six weeks or so. All right. And yeah, that, that's been from the start. Uh, just to, yeah, it, it never made any sense to do that. And when I was looking, um, I suppose, for a business model and how I'm supposed to do how I'm supposed to do this, there was just so much that I just felt people were getting so bogged down in the detail. Yeah. Rather than focusing on the photography. Yeah. And ultimately, that's what. I was interested in. All right, so now let's talk about a little bit about the um, shooting style. When you're in it, like you're at a wedding, and like in the style that you shoot, which is very much uh, like a documentary style, it's all about that decisive moment. There's so much going on at a wedding, and like you're in amongst it constantly, and and the way you yeah. see is, is so unique. Is it or is it a hundred percent intuitive? I mean, the, you you can't have time to be thinking. All right, I need to be f f a a hundred. I'll just boost my. I'll, I'll pan in here. I want this this person to be composed a third of the way in. Is it just like? Are you just in the zone and shooting? Do you, do you feel like you go you for, you forget like oh wow I forgot I took that photo is it is it like that I imagine that's yeah. the, how it looks. Yeah 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 definitely. Um, I kind of for me shooting the event is the that's the not necessarily autopilot but what I'm doing at that time is just being completely open to everything in front of me and completely aware of my surroundings, just yep. sort of immersed in it. Um, the the way that I want it to look uh, is, see, the, the aesthetic is a product of my study and practice. Yeah. So it's like you've like done the my, training. You've done the training until now. You know, you you know your stuff technically inside and out. Yeah. You're familiar with your camera, yeah. so you can be there and in the moment. And whatever gets thrown at you, and the the way your images look, it is. It's like it's it's a like a, what's less than a split second, like a nanosecond, and and that that, yeah. that shot is completely different. So how you did that that decisive moment, that moment that you choose to press the shutter, that's you. Yeah. So how, how much is the photo you and how much is it what you're seeing? Because it's like you're deciding when to press the shutter and whether that image is going to be humorous or um, mm-hmm. whether you're going to see the love in the moment or whether you're going to be cynical as a photographer. So 
talk about that for a moment. What, how do you feel okay, about it? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that I'm thinking about this moment as a funny moment. I don't think I'm thinking about whether it's a sweet moment yep. or it is all just part of the process. And yep. for me, it's truly documenting what's in front of me yep. in an unbiased way. And, and I think that what that does is make every event, every wedding that I photograph completely unique and individual for the couple that I work for because what I'm doing is I'm photographing their event as it is. Um, obviously, I'm drawn to certain things because yeah. of my life experience and yeah. understanding. And But it's that whole, I, I suppose it's a bit of a, a, a lomography approach, isn't it? It's like photograph what you're drawn to. Yes. And it's my perspective on that that I'm being hired for. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you're right. It is like I guess everything you've done to this moment is going to yeah. um, attract you to certain things, and I guess that's why your style compared to a, uh, another documentary photographer is going to be slightly different. And I do see that sort of uh, that humour in your images a lot more than, say, other documentary photographers and that that, that timing, that perfect moment that you, you c- capture that image uh, it, it, it is just brilliant on, on many occasions. Thank you. Um, yeah. All right. So in terms of your style then, when you're shooting, uh, are you a mirrorless guy now? Is that right? Yeah. Um, I've been shooting with mirrorless cameras for like, I don't know, four years maybe? I don't really know. So, <laughs> I'm just using the tools that are best suited to what to what I do. Yeah. Are you in amongst it? Are you making friends with the guests? Do you do you like get in among so that like you go unnoticed? It's, uh, is that yeah. is that the, no, the no, um, yep? I think what happened over time is um, when I started, I had like two Canon five Ds, a twenty four seventy seventy two hundred. Flash guns, light stands, do you know, the whole, everything that I was told that I needed. And over time, I just, I started using, um, like, fewer lenses, and uh, I got onto prime lenses, and that started to make more sense to me. Uh, And I think through using prime lenses, it made me understand what I was photographing or how it should look and where I needed to be. And that was a difficult thing to do when you have zooms and you have um, all of this choice. Once we start to strip the gear down and get to basics, then it's not about the gear and it's not about uh, lenses and cameras. It's about our connection to the people around us. So now I use mirrorless cameras, predominantly shoot at 27 millimeter, uh, which is quite wide. So I have to be close anyway. And I think that again, over time, what happened, I found that the, the longer the focal length that I was using, the more distance there was between the photograph and the viewer. And me, when I was looking at the photographs, it it was kind of, yeah, I was like, I was, I was more, like a bystander than part of the actual event. Uh-huh. And the more, the closer I got, the closer I came to my photographs and the more that I could see me in there. You do get if a sense of that sense. in your image that you are, like, because you are shooting at that, that wider focal length, you're in it. You Like, you're in amongst it. Um, and as the viewer of the, the images, I feel like I'm there, I guess, yeah. Um, yeah. In, in that moment. Um, so... You're there, like, are you get? Are you drinking with the the guests and being a, a part of it and enjoying the day? Is that <laughs> so, how you? 
Um, sometimes, um, like uh, there's times that I've just been like hammered, man, and it's yeah. like four o'clock in the morning, and I've it's like that. I've got to go home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you get good um, photos though. It, it's great. Just kind of get right in there, but yeah, I mean, um, the what I've spoken about this before, as far as um, like the confidence you gain through what you understand and what you learn. And when I first started, it was longer lenses, and I was I was uncomfortable getting close and getting in there. Yeah. But the more confidence that I got from photography and my understanding of photography, which in turn helped me understand myself more, I became, I don't know, more part of what was going on. And I'll quite happily in any situation, just go and talk to people and take photographs and have a lark around. And, you know, just it's been part of it without being over the top about it. So I'm, I'm making myself visible to be invisible. Yeah. All right. So going back to that um, decisive moment, you're not. I don't imagine you would be the kind of guy that overshoots. It just like has has the high high shutter thing going. No. And so, no, is it no. one image? Are you doing one and one for safety, or or is it one? And if you took well, another one, it's over. So you're just going to get that one. Maybe. I mean, that's. It was uh, William Eggleston, a quote of his, which was one picture of one thing wow. that really uh, cut my uh, my shooting down and uh, the amount of images that I took. Because as he said, I don't want to be having to decide afterwards which is the best image of the one thing oh, wow. that I took 20 photographs of. And it's yeah. like one picture of one thing. I'm not really one picture of one thing, but I'm probably delivering half of what I shoot. Okay, and, and so is there if I, shoot, if I shoot like eight hundred, a thousand pictures, I'm probably delivering between four and five hundred. And, and do you them. think that's an average that you might shoot? Sort of say, if you're there for a, a, a day, you'll you, you'll come back with about eight hundred. Um, I think if it's if it's a long day, like a sixteen hour, something like that, it might be like thirteen hundred yeah. or something like. It just it it varies, you know. It's like sometimes I'll come back, I'll have shot eight hundred. Sometimes when I come back, it'll be like fifteen hundred. Yeah, and I, I, I have no real. Uh, there's no percentage and no real thought into that. I'm just photographing what I think needs photographing. But yeah, I, I won't like blast through 60 images per scene. I just think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think that's photography. Anymore. Yeah. So it's very decisive the way you shoot. You'll line it up. You'll look for it. You and and this comes from having an understanding of how to shoot in the first place. You're not kind of just covering yourself and I'll just, you know shoot it and hope for the best, shoot enough and, and uh, pull it back in post. So to cover yourself with this sort of stuff to make sure, because I imagine uh, from what I've seen in these situations is you, it's fast and if you blink, yeah. basically you've missed that amazing thing that just happened out of the corner of your eye. So are you shooting fast shutter speeds, high ISO and like a um, – uh, a higher um, f-stop to to get that uh, image. I, I think it it well it all depends. It depends on the lighting situation. Yep. But if it if it's like evening dance floor stuff, yep. Um, I'll I don't know. I'll I'll like zone focus for yep. a meter, uh, five point six. Get the flag. Get get all the exposure. That's all I need to do really. And then right. just don't stay any more. <laughs> don't get close than a meter away from people. It's it it it's pretty simple. I'm not. The settings are determined really by the the situation, and um, I don't I, I don't overthink that. It's it's like driving a car. 
Yeah, it's now it's all you know, autopilot. I'm just, so I'm you're just f- not thinking about. Yeah, 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 pretty much. And um, I <laughs> shoot manually because it's just it, it makes more sense for me to yeah. do that. And of course, people ask about like, what were the settings for that shot or what were the settings. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I could go and have a look, but that's that's really pointless information that's got nothing to do with that it's the approach and the understanding and obviously the vision of what it is that you want to achieve yeah all right so one thing that you talk about a lot in uh, a, a lot of your blogging and uh, also your awesome podcast is um the the trends in the art world so i mean from what I've seen now, with like there's expl- billions of photos being shared all the time, and yeah, yeah. I I kind of feel like we're not going deep enough anymore with uh, what we're what we're learning about photography and how much we're seeing. And to me, it kind of feels like uh, we're seeing we're learning from the cover band rather than the original. Um, yeah, artists, yeah, yeah, so people yeah, are loving the the songs from the cover band, going, "Oh wow, this song's amazing!" And it's like, "Well, no, you need to go back and hear the original to know what it's really like." Yeah. So, um, what? <laughs> there's a lot wrong. There's a lot great about photography, but this whole sort yes. of copying and following and these like very trendy forms of photography. It happens in the portrait world, in the wedding world, where suddenly everything uh, looks the same. Like, how do we how yeah. do we get out of that? What like what's your advice to say photographers coming through? Oh, just don't follow um, wedding blogs and don't look at wedding photography and try and inform what you're doing from a photography perspective rather than a wedding photography or wedding perspective, if you want to be different. Yes. Um, but, I mean, if we go back to what I was saying earlier, there's probably a large proportion of people who are photographers who are not interested in photography. They're interested in the recognition for being a photographer. They're interested in being um, revered for, I don't know, just being popular. Yeah. And that, I, 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 that's a big thing with um, hu- the human race in general. But, yeah, once it's easy for people to, I suppose, get to a perceived state of uh, fame and have a lot of followers, then it's difficult to – for people to get out of that. Um, but there are people who still want to be actual photographers and artists. Fantastic. So just do your own, do your own thing, man. It's like, well, if you, it, it comes down to the why, doesn't it? Yes. It comes down to like why you're doing it and what you want to do for, I think. And for me, my why is the, the constant learning, the constant, um, the revelations that come from learning and the more photographs that I make, the more it helps me question what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And the more I start to see myself in what I'm shooting, in what I'm shooting, I learn more about myself and kind of that's my drive in a philosophical sense. It's kind of, it's this knowledge that I'm getting from what I'm doing. Yeah. And some people just want to be famous. Now, I think this is your quote because it was in one of your blogs. I'm hoping it's one of yours because it's a ripper. It's the photographs we okay. miss teach us to get the photographs we want. Is that you? Yep, that is me. That's a fantastic quote. Um, and so I guess it's that, all about that was, Yeah, that came from an understanding of slow down and stop trying to get everything, stop trying to photograph everything and – we have to learn from our mistakes and yeah. that's where yeah that's where that came from but it's this 
um, constant learning and that, that brings up that kind of thing and an understanding and a more solid understanding of what it is that you're trying to do. Fantastic. And just to finish, um, so any of the listeners that, 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 that like this style uh, resonates with and they're thinking, well, I might um, give this a go or, you know, I want to explore it more, what, what advice do you have to, for anyone who wants to uh, explore the documentary style of photography? Um, uh, look at street photographers, look at documentary photographers, look at war photography. Um, and I think what people can do when uh, they look at wedding photography um, is they can follow a set process to get a desired outcome. Um, what I do and what I've talked about when I've um, spoke at conferences is I give my life story from birth up until now. And the whole point of that is you can't shoot like me. Yeah. You can do it in the same kind of style, but your my settings and how I process my images, that is not going to make your images look like mine. Mm. You might get close aesthetically, but there's so much more in there. There's a lifetime of experience and a lifetime of, um, I suppose, uh, failure of, I don't know, uh, understanding of learning of um, just everything that's made my life what it is now. That's why my images look like they do. Fantastic. And nobody can nobody can shoot like me or nobody paints like Picasso. Yeah. Um, not that I'm putting myself in the same bracket as Picasso, yeah. but just as an example, you know, nobody shoots like Bruce Gilden because that's him. Yeah. You know, and like everybody's trying to find out how how can I do that? How do I shoot that? And what we have to do is go back to the beginning and we have to study and we have to learn and we have to practice to determine how our images are going to look. We can't just we can't just go, that looks nice, and that's how I'm going to do it and follow a set uh, set steps to for the desired outcome because for me, that's just being a technician. That's not being an artist. And, yeah, there's there's no weight behind it. Fantastic. So um, study and practice and look at photographers and try to figure out your why. Excellent advice. And uh, I think that's uh, a good uh, good point to finish on, Ian. Thanks very much. I might just get you to just tell the listeners where they can find your work and connect with you um, online. Okay. Um, you can find uh, just ianweldon.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at ianjweldon, which is all just personal nonsense, really. Uh, the wedding stuff is at not wedding photography and you can also find me at outoffocuspodcast.com um i just i suppose if you just look for ian weldon you'll find everything you need to know everything's there fantastic uh ian thanks so much it's been uh awesome chatting with you excellent that was great thank you very much Awesome, Ian Weldon. Now, if you go to the show notes at ginamilitia.com, you'll see some um, cool images that Ian has has done, and they are that documentary-style wedding photos. They're, they're really, really different. They're, it literally looks like a fly-on-the-wall um, take on, on weddings. My favourite one is three older ladies who are leaning over, kind of signing a guest book or something, 
and they're leaning over to the point where you can see one of their undies. <laughs> yeah, this is the undie episode. I know it's all about undies, but it's like that decisive moment, and and often it's done with uh, some comedy, and but, but it's just knowing when to to pick that moment to take the shot, and that is the. That that is what sets uh, you as a photographer apart from all the other photographers, yeah. and it, it's like we talked about in the interview. It's everything that you've done till this point mm. is going to affect how you see. So, like you know, you could have ten different people looking at the same shot, and everyone, based on their life experiences up until that point, is going to see that slightly different so there'll be people who view the wedding and they'll want to capture the more romantic side of it that can still be documentary or there'll be people that want to you know show the humor in a, in a subject just by the juxtaposition which is what a, a lot of um the, the stuff that ian does as well so it's all different but there's uh, so much energy and you can't help but not have you know, but have a reaction to his images, and that's what mm. good photography is. It does elicit a reaction. Now, of course, documentary style wedding photography is taking a risk, and Ian clearly took a risk in the early days before he made a name for himself for this kind of style. But the reality is that you might have a particular style of photography that you would like to experiment with and take a risk with. And I, you know, I think we both agree and highly encourage you to experiment with it. You don't necessarily have to stick with it, but you won't know whether it's is something that you love or, or is something that's in demand or that people will hire you for unless you take the, a risk and do not just one shot of it but maybe like a whole body of work. And by body of work, I just mean, you know, a whole series of shots that um, are in that style that you can feature somewhere so you can see whether people will resonate with it or not. Mm. So, um, all right, as I mentioned, the, the, the photographers that Ian lists uh, as his, um, the, the ones that he looks up to, I, I honestly would seriously re- recommend that you check them out, well worth checking out and seeing their work if this sort of style resonates with you. And then also, again, Val, what are the different places that we so can see you Ian's can, work? Remember, you can check out Ian at ianweldon.com, but also you can check in out on as Ian J. Weldon on Instagram and Ian Weldon on Twitter. Just search for him on Facebook. He has a product a called workshop. a workshop called I'm not a wedding photographer.com and he also has a podcast called outerfocuspodcast.com. And I love his and, podcast. Yeah, it's a long, it's more long form and it's a, a, a conversation about art. So uh, it, I, I really enjoy listening to it. So I, I actually suggest you, you have a listen to that. It's fantastic. And we'll put the link to all of these in the show notes, which you can find at ginamalisha.com. Now, again, we've got to get out of this cupboard. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because we're starting to faint because we haven't had enough oh. Oxygen. Uh, but before we go, Gina, safe travels. Thank you. Uh, excited. Very excited. I know. You're going to India. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And where do we find you online, Gina? So you can find me at ginamilitia.com, so all social media at Gina Militia. And if anyone wants to uh, check out the goal community and maybe be mentored by me, that's at ginamilitia.com, uh, goal community. So you can check that out there. And you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And, um, and of course, I connect with everyone in the Gold community as well. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. 
For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.